0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Sal Capaccio. Filling up right behind the Bills bench right now with their flags and their hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 Let's go Buffalo Chan.
2: On WGR Sports Radio 550. First week of the offseason, often when you see staff changes and there's one at least from the Bills or So we think. Sal Capaccio now on the West Her Hotline. Bill Sal, at least to my knowledge, have not announced as of 4 o'clock here on this Thursday the firing of safeties coach Jim Salgado, but it's being widely reported. Um, Is that right? And does it mean anything to you? Is it a sign of anything to you that they haven't said it?
0: I believe it's right, yes. I can't confirm for myself, uh, but Elena's a very good source, and if she's reporting it, then then yes, I will tell you I've also reached out to Jim Salgado and haven't confirmed that specifically, but also haven't been told it's not true. So uh, I I would assume that that is correct. Uh, I will also tell you that typically I don't think the Bills do announce these things at that time, maybe unless it was a coordinator. Uh, Last year there were some staff changes. There was even a special teams coordinator staff change last year, and we did not even know about that for a little while. Uh, So I wouldn't expect the Bills necessarily to put anything out there. It also could be... More coming before we know, and maybe there's going to be one announcement of staff changes they make. Uh, but it's typically not their operation to announce they've fired an assistant, a position coach,
1: right? Maybe if they, if they, when they conclude that they're done with, you know, making changes, then maybe they'll announce something. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm not like circling, waiting for like, you know, more firings, but you know, change, I think, would to some extent, be welcome, Sal. I don't know. How do you you feel about that?
0: Yeah, I think this is a situation here that, like last year, they had very little turnover. Now, they did have some, uh, including the special teams coordinator, obviously, but they elevated the assistant special teams coach to that spot. They had their linebackers coach retire. They moved his son, who was the safeties coach, to his spot. They moved Jim Salgado, who was the Nichols coach, to the safety spot. So there wasn't really much of a influx of mm-hmm. there were a couple guys here or there maybe assistant position coaches I think Aaron Cromer is the biggest name uh, Joe Brady maybe right Aaron Cromer and Joe Brady I guess coming in as new position coaches and I think you know g- given the season they had had given the turnover at coordinator I think it was more of hey let's not you know go too far on this and make sure we have this continuity I think after the season you had this year you have to look at this with a more critical eye um, as much as I think Jim Salgado, I was surprised. I was surprised that he would be a guy that they would let go. But, you know, obviously with all the injuries at safety and, you know, let, putting pieces together, they must have felt that it just didn't go the way it was expected. But he had been with McDermott for a while. He had done a good job with the nickel. That was terren Johnson's rise when he was the yeah. nickel coach. And they made him that a couple years ago. So I was surprised. But at the same time, I do think that this offseason requires a little bit maybe more of a a critical eye here and for them to dig deeper and say and turn over whatever they can to say we have to make a change here
1: do you have any idea on on the timing of meetings and that kind of thing i only ask because i mean maybe we won't because it's not it's not as apparent that change is going to be made if it's going to be made at all, right? I'm thinking of other off seasons here where you'd be like, well, everybody's going to they're going to go meet at the Pagulas and decide like what, what's going to happen, how they're going to proceed. I would imagine they still would do that, but maybe we just don't know exactly what kind of timeline they're working on. Right.
0: But I think in these cases, when you when your season ends on January 23rd, 22nd, and other teams are hiring coaches. You have to make moves. You can't wait too long to make moves. This isn't, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't getting rid of a head coach and having to go through ten interviews and and those kinds of things. These assistant coaches get jobs. They want jobs. They don't want to be out of the league long. You get you don't these jobs dry up. You know, it's it's hard. So you want to grab them before they go other places. So you have to make a move on your own people mm-hmm. before you can hire them because look what happened today in Carolina. Frank Wright. Bam, he's putting together a staff. There's guys out there, I guarantee you whether or not Sean Payton gets hired he's already been you know getting a staff rounded up in case he gets hired so I would imagine that's got to happen in some capacity but there's got to be some movement here this week and we've seen it today obviously where this these things are going to start happening I wouldn't be surprised if if he's not the only one for sure
2: a couple things more so the it's complicated and the levels matter so if I'm an assistant defensive line coach and I think I'm going to be back, but there's a defensive line coach opening mm-hmm. somewhere else I can go, and like trying to track all that. And these guys are probably and their agents just on fire right now with these with the changes that happens every year. I'm seeing that it appears last year the Bills made one announcement as we're talking about here with their staff, and it was on February 24th. They were mm-hmm. eliminated like almost the same day. It was one right. day different last year, so. That's more than a month after their season ended and well after the Super Bowl that they sent out one release. And this was the strength and conditioning assistant, the fellowship coach, like all that was all at once. And so that seems like probably that's their policy.
0: We had learned about some guys before that, right? I think Shula had been hired. Right, There was always these pieces that came out, but this is what I'm saying, which is they don't typically do this. They don't typically, if you're looking for an announcement from the Bills, no, it's going to come out from reports like Elena's report today. <coughs> Excuse me. That's how you're going to get this stuff. You're going to get you know, bits and pieces of this coach was let go, this coach took a job somewhere else. We've had coaches just change and go down to college, for example. It is interesting that date you give, Mike, that was right before the Combine. So I would anticipate maybe something similar where, because the combine is then where you go and we hear from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and they start to get on with the draft stuff. They get everything in order with their staff and you know, you want to talk about process, right? So senior bowls this week, listen, that's a, that is a business card event for coaches. Okay. (laughs) Like senior bowl is, I am looking for a job and every coach who's out there looking for a job is trying to get one. I guarantee you, this weekend at the Senior Bowl, when they go down there, uh next weekend I should say, this whole coming up week, that's going to be where a lot of this stuff starts to happen. Then you may see a little bit more of this movement you're talking about. You might get a couple guys out, but maybe nobody in until they start to get, because that's where you can have everybody in one place, you can start talking to people. Then you start formulating your staff, maybe you make hires, right before the combine, hey, this is what our staff looks like. Let's talk about it at the Combine so we can get on with the draft.
2: Also, I want to add here, since we're on this subject, the special teams coordinator last year was not on that list. And there's a tweet, a tweet from you last year on February 9th when they announced mm-hmm. Matthew Smiley. What they did with Farwell, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, is they didn't announce that he was fired or anything, but basically like he knew he was out, went and got another job, I think Jacksonville, and then yes. they end up replacing him with his assistant. So that that happened earlier uh, last year, a couple of weeks earlier than that, but still in February. So I guess bottom line here, anything is still possible.
0: Yes. And I, I know fans, you know, we always, you know, as we're evaluating this and doing this in real time, fans who want changes want them immediately. And that's understood, but organizations and teams want to have a chance to evaluate and they don't want to, as much as it's easy sometimes to have a knee jerk reaction um, they don't want to do that, and they want to take their time to do it the right way. So, I think Sean McDermott, you know, he's he's been a coach six years now. He's that's in this league, that's pretty good. Uh, he's he's what I hear the sixth longest tenured head coach in the league now, which is crazy to think about. Um, he has enough cachet, I think, around the league, and the Bills have, and Brandon Bean has, and his staff has, that I don't think they're too worried about you know not being not being able to get someone, if they like, who's out there. If they see someone, they might, like, hey, you know what? Let's see what we can do with our guy. Hold on a little bit. That will help them in this situation because, like I said, guys want jobs. But if there's somebody that they want, they, they might be able to go and say, hey, let us do our evaluation. We'll see where it lands. If you find something, that's great. But, you know, hold on a minute. Let's see what we can do here.
1: Yeah, the pool of available candidates matters a lot for this. I, I think, like, cause That's I, right. I, I'm I'm thinking about Frazier, and like to me, there's nothing like egregious. You know, what I mean, like he he doesn't have to be replaced. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not lighting fires over here, but you know, in absence of maybe a better idea, I'm like, okay, a new a new a new a new brain, a new mind, a new vision there to complement McDermott, and you know, like maybe that maybe that can push them in, in you know push them forward some. Um, But if that guy doesn't exist, I don't need to make a change just to make a change.
0: Agreed. Um, It's always the, well, people say, I want this guy fired. Well, who are you going to hire instead, right? Well, there could be an answer to that. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Steve Wilkes is still out there. Like, I know Steve Wilkes has a very good relationship with both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. I think Steve Wilkes is an excellent defensive coach. He's been a defensive coordinator in the league. He was an interim head coach, did a great job with the Panthers last week. I am not in any way right now reporting or even Mm -hmm. suggesting that's going to happen. I'm using it as an example of what if he's still out there in a few more days and they figure out, you know what, and they're going through the evaluation process. That might make it easier to say, hey, maybe we need something to make a change here. But if there's nobody like that, that they have a relationship with and they trust like that and there's always the in-house thing too right so let's just say that you know um they wanted to move on from leslie frazier you have uh eric washington who was the dc and carolina before being co- i know he's very well thought of in the building at least i think who knows i mean he, he could be out too for all i know but you know i mean there's always people like that who could be elevated as well so i agree with that and it's always something that you have to do it is a it's such a tough business when it comes to that relationships right. matter wholeheartedly and I think I was with you guys last week when I said, or maybe earlier this week, loyalty in this business, like to get the right person. It's not just the right X's and O's. And I know I know this organization cares about that as well as they should and as a lot of teams do and should, which is, you know, are you hiring the right person to bring in your building? Who's not just trying to use you to to look over your shoulder and get your job? You want to bring somebody in who knows what that they're here for a certain reason that you're trying to put them into that particular spot.
2: With Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline, the Bills are interesting here as a as a case study in well, like how much do they need to change? Uh, And for me, I I lean especially you know considering all the opinions that are out there, I quite lean toward keep it the same, run it back kind of kind of thinking with the Bills because I just don't think one playoff game or three if you want, the last three years. And we're being reminded of the Houston loss again this week for the first time, like maybe ever. But these playoff losses, they are ultimately what matters most, but I'd much rather be a team that wins all the time like they do. And so, yes, I have things to figure out, but it's a sample size equation for me. And big picture, especially with their, you know, like, what is it? What did I look up? Last three years, they've averaged a 10-point win in their games. Forty nine regular season, forty nine regular season games, but you know, eventually, Sal, like people put it like this. and We had a caller do it the other day, you know, that when it was about Andy Reid in Philadelphia, like, well, you reach your ceiling, or it's just like time, time runs out. You've had enough chances, and I feel like Reid and the caller that day also mentioned Tom Coughlin are both examples of how faulty that thinking is. Like, what what's the conclusion, the right conclusion on Reid? Well, that. I, Maybe they would have been fine, the Eagles, had they kept Andy Reed, As long as he wants to be there, you know, and you don't have anything personal happening. So, um, I don't know, I'm saying a lot here. But I think overall, no. and I think this will probably be the case, that the Bills are going to want to look a lot
0: like they already look. I'll give you another example because I was down there when it happened. Tony Dungy in Tampa. Yes, right. Right, so they trade for John Gruden. And it's like, man, they were winning a lot. They got to an NFC Championship game with Tony Dungy. They went to the playoffs. And they got rid of him and fired him. And they traded for John Gruden. It worked out. They won a Super Bowl the next year with John Gruden. So they were right. But you know what else happened? Tony Dungy won a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. Right? So you never know. Is it is it a ceiling? Is it a, there's, you know, the message only goes so far with certain people? Or is it, hey, we're just a really good team, and we're just going to keep fighting, and it wasn't our day. There's always so many ways to look at it. I know this. We live an existence of 17 years without the playoffs. I'd much, much rather <laughs> live this existence to be going to the playoffs for a five year, about a five years, one time to the AFC Championship game, and still and keep trying to get that crack at it than living that existence. It doesn't mean it's ever going to happen. There are no guarantees. And I'm not here to tell you that this coach is ever going to win a Super Bowl. I don't know that. But I know right now it's as close as this organization's been since the 1990s. And I don't think there's many other people you could bring in here from what I've seen that necessarily would have been able to, to do that with this group. Maybe. I mean, I guess maybe that's a tough statement to make. But I, I, I think you, there's, a, there's something to be said for both of those things, which is mm-hmm. maybe you get to a point with one person where it's that's the ceiling, that's long enough. But maybe it's also, hey, you're winning all the time. And you know, if you be careful what you wish for, because the next person might not win at all.
2: Yeah, I'm just not a one game defines you kind of kind of right. guy, and so um, you,
0: know you know what they say, Mike. They whenever they say you can't win the big one, Marv Levy once said, "I always learned the big one is the, only the one you lose, or a lot of other big ones along the way."
2: There've just been so many teams and athletes in individual sports that were described as in being incapable. Of winning until they did like then they did and then it was Pete whether it's peyton manning yeah. or a hundred right. other examples you can think of john or, elway like that there's some flaw there and i i have to acknowledge i have to admit that i think that there might that that might exist in some players or coaches whether it's just you know you could think of like a trait that would hold them back um but mostly i think it's randomness and matchups and you know did you have your best day when you needed it, and so I tend to yeah. dismiss the idea like that. Somebody's somebody that's close all the time, you know, can't do it.
0: Are, you know, I'm glad you say this. I'm glad you think like that. That's the way I think. That's the way I think. Um, I think we're just so quick to dismiss. Well, I haven't won a Super Bowl. Might as well make a change. I mean, you're 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 right there. There's only one team. There's only one team every year that can win. Did you read, did you see Scott Kasmar's, uh, tw- uh thread on this where he was kind of on the opposite side in a little bit? No. On,
1: uh, an, on they, Andy Reid and, and Mahomes, yeah. how like, yeah. your conference championship game at home all these years you've only been to one Super Bowl. If they don't go again, like what are, what are we doing here? Uh, so that, yeah. that, that sort of vibe? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, and people are pushing back, which I agree that the people pushing back. They're like, he was basically saying, he said, if Mahomes loses, he'll he'll be in rare company to only lose three championship of losing three championship games at home. Like no one does that. And like, yeah, but he cuz he's been to so many of them. Like, you can't win every game. The the it should be appraising him for getting there. Like a lot of guys fail to even get there, but he's actually even saying, "Oh no, like this is an indictment on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes if they lose this championship game." Like, man, he's, they've been to five in a row, dude.
2: Well, there is a little room to do it, though. That's what makes it interesting. Like when Reed was with the Eagles, whether it's like clock management stuff or coaches getting conservative, okay, so why are we losing the big one all the time? And, you know, with Kansas City, he does have the one, but he's lost other big games. And that really is kind of the the point on McDermott, isn't it? I mean, why would anybody even consider whether the Bills need a different head coach? It, It would be. This point gets made and I think it's fair enough. He's not an offensive coach and that's your meal ticket and so but I say to that, you're you're already here. You know, it's been six years, you're already here, you're winning a lot. But then it's like certain decisions, especially last year, uh but in these other losses too, you know, fourth down decisions, the conservative look of their defense at times Sunday. That I think is maybe the common thread is that do do coaches because that's one of these things I think that can happen in sports to disprove my other thought like if somebody gets
0: tight, mm-hmm. and that can be what tight looks like. Yes, but I think Mike, there's a counter to that of like I've heard this week, and these are the same things, the the the, the calls we've taken, the tweets that we read, things like that. Exact. I don't disagree with you. Like those, there is a there might be common. There may be commonalities between all of these things. But every time, a lot of times, when I hear a caller or a tweet, they bring up, well, the Kansas City game in 2020, the Kansas City game last year, the Cincinnati game this year. And I want to say, well, in between, you also had an Indianapolis game where they were down and came back. You had a Colts game where they did a great job. I'm sorry, Colts. A Ravens game where they did a great job on Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Those things count, too. Right? I mean, we, right. The, and I don't know. Were they tight? Did They do, They did a lot of things right to win those games to put themselves in position. It, exactly.
2: Well. Exactly. One that's making the rounds a lot is how many yards and points the Bills have given up in their last three playoff losses. Well, to right. an extent, of course, because you're picking out the games they lost. Yes. What about the games they've won? They gave Baltimore three points. What happened in, against New England last year? Oh, but those teams weren't as good. Well, that makes sense, too. Like, uh, you got Anyway, it's it's our it's our it's the lives we chose. So <laughs> right? it's the lives That's we chose. That's right. That's true. That's
1: yeah. true. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think every you know. Look, I'm I'm not. I don't have the itchiest trigger finger. I feel like of the three of us here talking for the last 15 minutes, I'm the one most eager to see some substantial change. Um. Uh, you know, defensive coordinator. Um. You know, I think what what drives that for fans is like you you just don't want to be sitting here like just watching the watching the wheels go around not doing anything that could impact your chances right like oh it's another year where they it didn't come through and yes there is a lot that goes into that randomness and they've done a lot of winning but you're also like at what point do you do you need to like say okay we need to do something else so we need to make some Mm -hmm. substantial change because we keep sort of hitting our head on the same the the same floor like you know right we only the elevator only goes up so far and do we need to do something different to maybe you know climb those few more steps
0: yeah I tell you Bulldog I I I think about that and I wouldn't be against it if if we found out today that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier decided to and I I'd I'd find that they would maybe even fire him it could be a mutual parting ways or something like that if we found that out today I, I would totally understand that I wouldn't be against it I'm not eager to see it happen I'll tell you that I think Part of the reason is just knowing, and this is coming just from the beat reporter who's with the team every day. I know how much those players love Leslie Frazier and how much mm-hmm. they believe in him and how much he's a great coach and how much he I, they believe they've improved under him as a as a person, as a human being, as a football player. And I think that stuff matters. It matters in the building. So to me, that matters. As much as people want to think, nope, all it matters is results. I get it. It's a bottom line business. They didn't win. But I think that stuff does matter. But if they were to do that today, I would understand and say, you know what, it's maybe time that they're trying to get a fresh set of eyes and say, what yeah. what are we doing a little bit differently here? What can we do a little bit differently here? And I would re- totally respect and understand that. Hey, Sal, if I didn't ask you already, what are
2: you saying to the theory, to any extent, that the footing was came harder to the Bills than the Bengals, like the shoes in this game? I have to admit that I thought it. Early in the game Sunday, I'm like, the Bills, are they look like they're just a have stuff behind here everywhere. Like, the, up front, in the secondary, chases, guys are running open, busted coverages. I don't know, like, players are are going to say, and I know a couple were asked, like, come on, no, no excuses. You think there's anything to it?
0: I thought that the Bills played a little, little bit tentatively at, at some times in the snow. For example, Naheem Hines, I think we talked about this Yes, right, right. Seemed like he was tiptoeing a little bit, right? But I really kind of more chalked it up to they were getting behind and they were being a little more careful they didn't want to lose the game and do something stupid so they were trying to whereas the it looked like the Bengals just came out went we're just being aggressive it doesn't matter and honestly on the first drive I think it was Travis White I think did slip in a back pedal before he got out and that could have been a reason why later in the game he gave more cushion because it could have been that so no and I will tell you I think um the Bills equipment staff is very good at what they do. They're on top of everything. We talk with Sean McDermott every week about weather and things like that. We get Patrick Hammer on. And I, I just think, you know, knowing what that group has to do and does, they're prepared for pretty much everything. But a lot of it is the players and they're saying what they want to do and how they want to react to it. So it could be, but a lot of times to me, I think that might be more. In um, fact, I read, no, I watched a, believe it or not, it was on Nickelodeon. They had the uh, Nicholas Nickel- <laughs> Slime Time. It was Slime Time on Nickelodeon. And Ted Karras, the center for the Bengals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was doing, oh my God, this is crazy. He was doing an interview with Adam Schefter's daughter. She is actually one of the hosts on this Nickelodeon show, along with Nate Burleson's hmm. son, I think, okay? And I know, I'm, I'm branching way out here. So she said, What did you think about the snow? And he said, It was the snowiest game I ever played. And he said, it wasn't too bad. He said, but it did get a little bit wet. And he said, and I was, as a center, I had to be a little more careful because of the ball. And I thought, I think the same thing with the footing a little bit at times when you're thinking, okay, I want to do this, but I got to be a little bit more careful. So I don't know if it necessarily impacted them physically. It might've impacted them mentally in the way they thought about how to approach things.
1: Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole game, right? Wouldn't it be fair to say the game looked like one team was on their toes and the other team was on their heels?
2: Yeah right yeah, and it,
1: it, like, yeah. so the, the the footing could have been a part of that it also could have been just getting punched in the head right away and like oh yeah like the you know the bills were rocked right away and became tentative and the footing played a part in that i mean i the whole thing was
2: just well it's just tough to watch as the saying goes it's got to be the shoes it's got to be the shoes i'm dating myself i remember
0: looking at jay feely right before the opening kickoff it was coming down and he's standing there on the sidelines and i go how does this impact a kickoff? He's like, nah, it doesn't matter. He says, you know, if it's, and he starts explaining all this. I'm like, you know, you got you guys. It's crazy, right? Like, I, I'd slip as soon as I planted my foot on that stuff.
2: Well, <laughs> you would, you would slow down so as not to slip.
0: Yes. See? And then you wouldn't right, kick exactly. it as far. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Sal. So. Okay, guys.
1: It's our Sal Capaccio on the Wester Hotline. His appearance is always brought to you by New York's only outlet liquor. When you need to stock up, it is the place to buy a case. What's your outlet?
2: Got a window here, 803-0550. Ross Tucker at 5. Paul Hamilton at 6. Sabres, Jets, pregame at 7. Mike Showpen the Bulldog, WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
0: when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.